Welcome to the Ebb and Flow Radio. My name is Stephen Jaggers and I am your host. On this show, we pick apart the potent and powerful patterns of different masters in the realms of mind, body, and spirit, you know, so that you can gain some insight on how to navigate the ebb and flow of your life, you know, the, the internal and external workings. But today we drop in with a good brother of mine named Grant Iflander, and he is a yoga and meditation teacher out of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, he's been one of my teachers and super inspirational brother, just really embodies the work and it's been a pleasure meeting and knowing and watching his evolution. He is incredibly insightful. In the beginning of the show, we really delve into the definition of yoga and you know the applications for our modern world. And you know the second half of the show, we talk. We you know we get a little bit more vulnerable, and we talk about you know change that's going on in our lives and how to navigate that change. So stick around for the second half because I think you'll really enjoy that. And um, as always, leave us a comment, leave us a review, um, give me a shout out on social media if you want to hear any anything specific on the show, or if you want to hear anybody. Um, yeah. We're just starting this thing, so hoping to pick up momentum. Hope you guys enjoy. Much love. Let's start off. What What is the definition of yoga? What does it mean? So I always go with the classical definition uh, that's in Yoga Patanjali's uh, Yoga Sutras, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, and because these these are ancient texts and they have so much simplicity in them. We know we were talking about simplicity earlier this morning and yeah, reduction, reduction, and you know we we have to remember that a lot of this stuff was like yoga has been around for as long as humans had consciousness and. Where I'm going with that is a lot of this stuff was passed person to person orally. So a lot of the wisdom, mm. the sacred traditions and the wisdom sciences that have been around since before we've had written, before we even had writing as a technology, right? Because yeah. the pencil and paper was a piece of technology that we invented to, to carry ideas past generations. And so when when we started to actually document things, which is only very relatively recently in human history right we the modern evidence shows that we've had the a similar human um system for about 150,000 years so we've been able to think in the same way that we can think now today for 150,000 years Hmm. which is mind-blowing because we look at civilizations and we're like we only have evidence that goes back 10,000 years maybe yeah. Right, give or take and that's like pushing it in some some accounts but anyways where I'm going with that is the sutras which was a, a monumental movement forward in the the um, the history of yoga and how it was conveyed came 2500 years ago which is just a sliver in human history but that was the first time that yoga was defined in a text 
And the definition is yogas chitta vritti narodaha, which means that yoga, yogas chitta vritti, yoga is chitta vritti narodaha, the cessation of the fluctuations of the mind. Or this, okay, repeat that. The cessations of the fluctuation of the mind. Mm-hmm. And what that, what it, what it said, what it goes on to say in the sutras, it helps define that further because each of the sutras are like built to be. If you get this one, then you don't need to read any further. Okay, if this doesn't make sense, read further. And so each time, okay. right? Because the very first sutra is amazing. It just says "Ata Yoga Nushasanam." So "Ata" means now. Yoga Nushasanam. Now is yoga, or now the practice of yoga begins, or now the present moment. The present moment is, is where, where yoga, yoga happens. Is. Yeah. Yeah. And and so Yoga Shittavritti Narodaha is the cessation, the the stilling of the constant vrittis, the swirling or whirlpools is one of the definitions that I like of the mind. Because the mind, when you have a thought, it takes you out of the moment and it puts you in a space, a mental space that's judging or categorizing or labeling or... Yeah, when you're thinking, it's like you're not not present. Mm -hmm. You're in the thought space. Mm -hmm. And you're compartmentalizing reality in some way through your limited... Because the mental processes are limited inherently, we're as an organism, we're not built to um, perceive reality as an ultimate thing, right? There's, and this is all the science shows us this. You know, we're processing, or we're so two billion bits of information are coming into the organism in one second, and we're only aware of like twenty thousand of those bits of information because only only a small chunk of that much information is actually relevant for our survival as a species yeah and so we're built by nature to perpetuate our species like that's that's our hardwired encoded um that's the most real reality to every human being is that every cell in their body is basically trying to avoid being food trying to get food and trying to pass on its its gene those are the the, pr- the primal foundations mhm and so when we realize that we're we are limited in the human organism based on our actual like fundamental makeup then it it begs the question what's behind that or what's what's driving that or what what is it that it you know what are we a part of that we can't actually perceive and so patanjali in the yoga sutras says that yoga is um when you are no longer limiting your view of reality through your conceptual framework of it and when that happens, when we're no longer taking a sliver of reality and labeling it or identifying it in a certain way with the mind, and we're just seeing without any impression whatsoever, then we actually see a bigger piece of the whole. So it's like actionable, actionable exercises or steps to 
technologies to get you out of the mind and to be present in your life. Yeah. Which is a hell of a lot harder than yeah. just talking about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I always, I always say that. Um, so I don't usually start with that definition because mm-hmm. sometimes it gets convoluted. What's your it, definition? Well, yoga is just union. Yoga means union. The word yoga means to yoke or to unite. And so when we think about to yoke or to unite, what are we uniting with? Mm-hmm. Or what are we yoking with? And to me, that it's yoking the mind to as expansive of a view as possible. As a, as a um, It's like it's using the mind to actually connect with life and not connect with our projection of life. And that's what happens a lot of time is we use the mind to distort reality, to fit our selfish... Ah, to create our fantasy or our story or our... Mm-hmm. Instead of just what the truth is. Right. And how and how difficult is it to actually want to, to like, view the truth, to truly objectively view the truth? Because a lot of times that means being honest with ourselves about things that we're not being honest with ourselves about. And it's very difficult to abide in that space because it means a constant like death and rebirth. It's a constant level of discomfort. It's a constant letting go and surrendering any idea that you might have. Because ultimately, any idea that you might have, even if it's the best possible idea, is still somewhat distant from the truth. Because it's an idea that comes from the mind. Yeah. So that's a really, really tough one, I think for me to digest because I'm I keep going through that in bigger and bigger spirals it's like man even my best possible interpretation of this is still an interpretation and it's still convoluted and it's, it's still, still it's still processed through your filter mm-hmm. so it still is a projection of the mind because it's coming from your mind mm-hmm. so <laughs> so it's like what which is, you know, if we are life which which we are Right, and we are consciousness, and we're part of this whole thing. Why is it that we feel separate from it, and, and where is that separation occurring, and what do we do about that separation? I feel like humans—we're the only thing on the planet that doesn't really know what our purpose is. We're not. We're not. We we have a hard time understanding. Like, what is? Do you think that is because of our mind? Like, because of our big brains, or <laughs> like what? Yeah, yeah. I think well, we have right. We have forty percent of our brain mass is our prefrontal cortex, which is yeah. it's bigger on the human brain than the next closest ancestor, the chimpanzee. Yeah. Which the brain mass of the chimpanzee, that's this PFC, the prefrontal cortex, is seventeen percent. So we have more than twice the amount of this very specific, unique portion of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, yeah. the PFC, which um, what it does for humans is whenever we, and this is demonstrated in brain scans, whenever we're paying attention or we're focusing or we're imagining and holding an image in our brain, the PFC lights up. Mm. 
So it's interesting to note that when we're focusing on a thing outside of us, but our intention is focused towards that, the PFC is lit up. And when we're holding an image in our mind, focusing internally, the PFC is lit up. And so this, this prefrontal cortex is like what I feel separates humans from mammals. And I think it's, it answers that question somewhat because it's what allows us to get out of the moment and to make a thought real. It's what allows us to focus on something that's not in our present moment reality and, and start to activate our organism towards that. And so I think this is, right, we, we evolved to have this. And so it's like, what the question is, why do we have the ability to interpret the moment? Why can't we just stay in the moment? And I think the answer to that is because we're here to create a better future for all humans and all animals and all plants and the earth and everything that's, everything that evolved us, we are now here to serve it. Mm. And it's through this process of the, of, well, the PFC is just one example, but as, as human beings, we're clearly have a unique gift and I feel like we, we abuse that gift or misuse it or misunderstand it. And we misunderstand what being a creator of the re- our reality really looks like. And we are creators for and sure. That's what that is, is, is our ability to create and to use that mind sight Mm-hmm. to yeah to create and whether we're you know what we're creating is a product of what we're focusing on and using that that gift 100% it's the ability of choice choice is the human superpower that we have the ability to choose so many different things mm-hmm. and I guess I'm going to try to tie it back to yoga. Yoga helps us to balance that or to get back to the moment, Mm -hmm. the present being present instead of always analyzing the moment or I guess. Yeah. Let's well, like breaking that down. Cause I think that whoever might be listening, everyone has their own idea about yoga. And a lot of that comes from the way that yoga was brought to the West. Yeah. And so when we, we think of the word yoga, we think of people stretching, we think of yoga mats. Yeah. Think, and that's like a, that's just a, our westernized, con- conceptualized, commodified idea about what yoga is. Yoga is, it's both a means and an end. Because like I said, yoga, the classical definition is the cessation of the fluctuations in the mind. However, there's a practical means to get to the cessation of the fluctuations in the mind so yoga both practical meaning practice yeah so yoga is both a state of being in oneness with reality truly being an experiential knowing that you and life are not separated and it's it's using the mind to get to that place and so that's where the practice right the end is the end product the goal you could say is to realize that you're not separate, that they're unity consciousness, Christ consciousness, however anybody wants to relate that yeah. idea. But it's the same, you know, when you see a beautiful sunset and you forget everything else, and for that moment you're just enraptured in that specific eternity, which is just a, it's just a moment, but you're, you are expansive, conscious, like there's no time and space, it's you and the sunset, 
happening all as one. That's a yoga. That's an experience of yoga, a state of oneness with reality. And then you forget again, and then you go back to, oh, the colors were really beautiful, and you try to tell someone the story of how beautiful the sunset was, and it's not the thing itself. And so what do you do to get to that space is there's, right, there's so many great sages and masters along the way realize this also, like Jesus and Buddha and these other great figures in our history, mystics, they, they all realized the essential nature of consciousness was oneness with all things, and they tried in all of their teachings to point us to that fact. And what yoga has done and what I feel yoga has brought to the West is um, tools, technologies that we can use, um, breathing exercises, movements with our body to prepare our mind-body system to handle longer and longer periods of oneness mm. because our mind-body system is, is it's not built to sustain unity consciousness. We're, not, we're literally so conditioned to believe that we're separate that even if someone, even if Christ appeared in your bedroom and was like, Stephen, wake up, you're one with all things, you would, the part of you, the mind would be like, Am I hallucinating? What is this? Christ is in my bedroom right now telling me I'm one with all things. Like, And that's sort of the, the I think, the experience people have in plant medicine ceremonies. Yeah. You know, they have this huge, expansive... It's the experience of... Um, it's an experiential mm. experience. It's an experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's and what separates... I think yoga is a way to experience God instead of like... You know, religion would be to mm. just believe. Mm-hmm. It is actual practical steps of experiencing unity consciousness. Yeah, for sure. And the way that it does that is right because it's both. It's both the experience of oneness. Yoga is the experience of oneness, union, and it is the thing that you do to get to that oneness. So you can do yoga practices to get to yoga, and. When we realize, when like if we step onto the mat and we're practicing from a space of not needing to get anything, not not, because that's what a lot of times we do. We we not turn, needing to get the handstand or yeah right or <laughs> or making the pose deeper or getting a more yeah. flexible back bend or whatever. Like we're so <laughs> we're so conditioned to think that we need to do something we're so conditioned to think that if i'm not efforting myself in this yoga practice or or towards this goal that i'm not receiving i'm not getting i'm not getting anything out of it we we believe that we need to actually work hard to get to bliss and that's such bullshit like we are already that and we it's a remembrance it's remembering it's remembering, and, and part of that, re- and the reason that works so well, if we can really get it, is then we relax and we actually enjoy doing the work, whatever our spiritual practice is, and whatever our uh, any authentic spiritual practice that a person is working with is their yoga practice because it's a practice that seeks to align them with their source, whether they know it or not, or use that language or not. If you're turning towards a practice, Anything that you do repeatedly with an intention to get somewhere is a yoga because in your mind you're thinking, wow, it would be great if I had clean clothes tomorrow. 
So what do I need to do to get those clean clothes? Uh, the means of getting the clean clothes is doing, doing the, the laundry. Doing the physical action mm-hmm. to get you where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And where you want to go is having clean clothes, which is you now having created a union, a manifest reality that was, at one point was just a nebulous concept in your mind. It's almost like it's the process of manifestation. Because it is, okay, you have this, well, first of all, you have this vision or the thing that you want to yoke with or Mm -hmm. connect to unity consciousness, Mm -hmm. you know, Christ consciousness, whatever it is, you have to figure out how to actually do that and like actionable steps Mm -hmm. and like actually get the physical body to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's like the body is the temple. Mm-hmm. The temple is where we go to worship. Mm-hmm. So it's always through the physical body. Mm-hmm. Does that resonate? Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of the postures come from because yeah. before when these, you know, when these texts came out thousands of years ago, there was no discussion about how to practice. A lot of the ancient rites and rituals were just based around worship and, and ways to chant and, um, sing prayer and there is no like this is how you do downward dog this is this is what Virabhadrasana A looks like like that didn't come until much later and I think that it came out of a human necessity to um, we wanted to replicate what we were seeing happen in like various uh this is just my theory. I feel like there were there were there has been for many eons and still exist today great masters and sages who are like just they've realized the highest truth and they're embodying that and then we look at them and we're like, "Oh, he's doing this posture. I must do this posture because it, clearly this is the posture to get me to where he is or she." Mm-hmm. And I feel like in many ways humans have done that over time. It's like we've tried to copy what we've seen masters doing, not understanding what it took to get to that stage, and which is fine. Like we we can reverse engineer this and like um, we can pick it apart and work backwards, but that's where I think a lot of the issue with Westernized yoga comes from. Is like we go to a class. We follow a sequence or someone gives us a sequence that we follow, but we're missing the intrinsic, um, like the most important point of it is like, you're, you're not just following what you're hearing from the outside. We have to tune in and listen to what, what is the somatic intelligence of our body asking for and how is alignment or like what what is alignment right what is what is it what does our body feel like while it's moving through space exactly it's always a reflection back to ourselves tuning into our body mm-hmm. and like that's yeah i feel like a lot of people get into that trap of like going to the class having the teacher tell me what to do okay move my leg this way mm-hmm. and it's like it's always like no like you can't you can't mess up as long as you're listening and tuning into what is going on within you and what mm-hmm. is going on within your truth. Mm-hmm. And I think largely there's a huge 
discrepancy today with an inability to actually express our truth. We'll connect to our truth. Connect to our truth. First. Right. That's why we can't express it. Because we're just, we're like, we're just not listening to it, it seems. And, or maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that's not listening and everyone else is. And I'm like, shit, I need to catch up. You know, I feel like. Uh, I don't, I don't think <laughs> that's not the case. Well, I, I think our, that's why we practice because our practice is a, it's like a laboratory for life, right? We hold our body in shapes because those shapes stimulate psychosomatic experiences for us. And in that psychosomatic experience, a memory or a, um, a thought or a feeling can arise. And if we are attentive and we're in our practice and we're not wandering off in our mind, we can actually observe what our body acts like in experiences in life. And so we can, we can essentially practice life ahead of time. That's what yoga is. When you do the practice, it's like you're mimicking your future in a, in a practice setting and you're observing yourself. You're observing how you respond to situations because everybody knows what it feels like to be anxious or to be sad or to be closed or to like when they're depressed and they like slump their shoulders. Like I feel like most people understand that generally. And so yoga is just about putting yourself consciously in these shapes in your body and then observing what is my response to this situation and do I do I want this response because it's just a practice of awareness it's just a practice of observing how you in your human bodysuit interacts with reality and if you understand how you interact with reality then when reality comes knocking on your door you can choose a a, a better alternative it's a practice place for you to put yourself into that struggle to observe how you respond in that. And that way, when you know the time comes, you have already practiced it and you're already ready for it. Mm-hmm. That's making me think of like, I mean, that's what a lot of people, you know, use plant medicines mm-hmm. to practice. You know, a lot of people have near-death experiences or, or perhaps dying experiences. And it's like that is a place of practicing dying. So mm-hmm. when it comes to that point, you're able to let go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ultimately, that's what yoga, the practical means of it, when we're doing asanas, physical postures, or pranayama, yeah. breathing exercises, when we're doing those things, we're just setting ourselves up to be stable when we sit and meditate because when we sit and meditate, we're practicing letting go of everything that we know and we're focusing on one thing. That's meditation is single point of focus on one thing. And most of the time when we try to sit and meditate, anybody who's practiced meditation realizes that the mind is just pulling you this way and that way. And that being pulled this way and that way is the fluctuations, that's the chitta vritti. Can we let go of that chitta vritti and focus on the breath or the mantra or whatever our meditative technique is above everything else, all distractions? Because if we can maintain focus on that thing, 
the energy in our body starts to actually morph and change and it stops mm-hmm. being um, bound by the the impressions of the mind, the samskaras, the, the way that the mind is conditioned to respond because from waking up to going to bed, we're driven by all these latent desires where all of our likes and dislikes, which are coordinated in a specific um, structure in every human body that everybody has an identity which is the ego structure which is the psyche and that psyche is built around an entire spectrum of preferences about what what they want life to look like or not look like and those likes and dislikes end up influencing every single Every single moment of that person's life is influenced by that and what drives them, motivates them towards things. And so when we really try to manifest our soul's deepest desire, guess what's blocking us from doing that? All of those preferences. All those preferences. And everything that we've learned to tell us that we can't do it or that we shouldn't do it or that we should do it this way. And it's like should, shouldn't, none of that matters when you're connected to the soul. It's like there's a... It transcends even morality, it seems like. Like, mm. there's no right or wrong in the space of the soul's expression. It's just pure creation out of love, right? When you're watching a musician perform, that person's in such a deep state of consciousness and, and yeah. awareness and yoga, right? They're in union with completely their Completely present, completely in the state of flow. Mm-hmm. And how could we mistake that for, like, anything that's wrong? How could we say that that's wrong? How could we say a piece of art is wrong? Right, like yeah, there is no wrong. There's, right. it's just it just is, and we look at a tree. We're like, oh, that tree's wrong. It's the same idea, right? Everything in nature is. It seems like everything in nature is just an act of love. Like everything yeah. in nature came together because of this beautiful harmony of opposite forces, right? And that's the Shiva Shakti in the in the yogic philosophy. Is these, and many other traditions have the same. Um, perspective conceptually they many traditions have um identified that there's polar opposites in existence there's a yin and a yang there's a masculine and a feminine there's a left and a right there's an inhale and an exhale there's a sun and a moon and so yoga in that path in that tradition um did a great job of conceptualizing those things and and understanding that the the way to harmony is to bring those forces together and let them cooperate because they're opposite and yet they're both equal. They, they are, they are harmonious with one another. So is there anything that you're going through right now that, you know, your pra- the practice of yoga is helping you stay centered and stay connected? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that, that, that like right now, I mean, I'm sure you've used this practice for all different things, but Mm -hmm. what's, what's showing up for you right now, brother? Dude, it's, (laughs) it's a great question. I mean, it's, we've talked about a lot of the transitions that I'm, that I'm facing in my life and, and the big changes that are upcoming and, and, um, you know, my yoga practice has brought me many great and powerful visions right? because when we get clear and when we're not focused on the selfish 
I need to get this. I need this much money to pay rent. I need when we're not focused on I and we zoom yeah. out of the I and we're actually have a moment of cosmic identity identification and we have more of those moments like if we practice having those moments things start to kind of crystallize through and like start to plant themselves in us and start to motivate us and inspire us and we realize like holy shit I've been either playing small or not realizing what my path actually is and been focused on something that I believe my path is and then we get stuck in that story because that's just a narrative that we have. And so when I first started practicing yoga, uh, which is now just a little more than five years ago, and um, I've had a daily practice since then, it sped things up very rapidly. And it started to inspire me to make changes in my life because I knew they weren't in alignment anymore. And so that sped things up. You know, I ended up quitting my job as a mortgage banker. I left that career behind and and um, that was just after one year of daily practice. And then uh, I started meditating every day. I was, I was practicing a lot of yoga, a lot of asana and, and, and physical postures. And then I got much more into like the actual meditative practices and chanting and doing various um, pranayamas and kriyas and diving into the subtle body. I had to like crack the dense outer body to get into the energetics which I think is a necessary step for a lot of people. You know, I switched to eating a plant-based diet and those sorts of things. And so in every step of the way, as I'm practicing and as I'm meditating, I'm asking and I'm saying, well, what, what do I need to do? Why am, I pra- why am I still practicing? What's the point, right? What's the point? Why am I doing this? That's always the question. It's always the question, you know, I'm really trying to always come from a place of not not knowing, right? Because it opens me to possibility. It open it opens the door to what's next, and yeah, that you know after and then the following year after I quit, I ended up traveling and I kind of went on what was essentially a pilgrimage to yeah. discover the essence of yoga to really connect my relationship to God. Because before that, I was still having a lot of questions about divinity in general. And so I had to have a reckoning. <laughs> I had to have a, a hero's journey. Like, you know, we were talking about that a little bit this morning and what the hero's journey represents. And, and so I created my own hero's journey in a way. And, and then a huge vision came out of that, right? A huge vision to create a yoga school, to build um, a community, to connect people into these practices, to to share the sacred download of what authentic spiritual practice actually is and what it can do for you, and and um, and you know that came through in 2016. So that was just a little more than three years ago, and I'm learning that three years is like a completion in many ways, like yeah. a completion cycle, and and so. That download came through in November 2016, and after a really powerful mystical experience that I had through meditation, it was like more powerful than any any experience I've ever had in my life. Um, before that, and after that, and you know, even to this day, I still pray and meditate and give thanks to 
that single experience because it was wow. it was so profound and just it basically just showed me um, that that we are all one. It, it you know it um, it showed me the source and it reminded me that I am that that you are that that everything here is that and after coming back from that experience, it made me reevaluate a lot of things because it was like, well, if that's the essential nature of reality, as far as I can tell so far, or, or the closest I've, I've gotten to experiencing truth, then what do I do with that information? You know, what do I do with this experience? And so I, I took that and, um, you know, out of that experience came multiple visions of, of like my mission moving forward and what I needed to do with that information and how I needed to apply it. And so I basically came home. I went, I, I was in England and I went back to Chandler, Arizona, and I just started practicing all the time. I was already practicing a lot, but I just continued practicing. And then I started to write a lot. I started to share a lot of um, just the the, the teachings that were coming through through me and because I don't feel like any of these teachings are mine I feel like the teachings are universal and that anybody who opens their channel will receive them and and so that's what I wanted to do I just wanted to provide people with the tools and tr- create an, uh, an environment that could help people move in that direction um, and I started you know that was that was like a two and a half year project for me to, to really build a yoga school in my home. And, and, um, just recently we finally, you know, launched bridge the gap yoga, which is, man, that thing is just growing and spreading and it's creating an impact in the community. I feel it's a a living, breathing thing. Yeah. So it was like a, it was like a two year baby that I birthed, you know, And, and after the birthing of that, like energetically, I'm just seeing what, that creation has done for me personally and spiritually and how how much it's allowed me to grow and step in to a space of um, just a more expansive area of consciousness, right? Being able to mm, it's I don't even know what to say about it, honestly. It was like, it was the biggest vision that I've ever had. Now it's manifest. And I'm like, whoa, okay. We can create these things that are in our mind on a, on a big, on bigger and bigger scales. Like I'm just seeing that. And, but you had to go through that, that pilgrimage and that, and that time that visionary time mm-hmm. of receiving the deep message from source, mm-hmm. getting that message, practicing that message, and then putting it into action mm-hmm. repeatedly over and over and over mm-hmm. until it manifests. And now it's a living, breathing, walking thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now what? <laughs> That's the good, that's a good question. Cause that's, you know, after the birthing of that, my, my, um, and leading up to the grand opening that we had at the end of October, 
I was reignited in a really powerful way with with my personal sadhana, my my spiritual yeah. practice, and and because we go in ebbs and flows, right? I'm not always meditating for an hour every morning. Sometimes it's for thirty yeah. minutes. Um, I am practicing no matter what every morning. It's just been a consistent part of my life, and but but. And what we're talking about now is like I reignited my practice in a really strong way because I knew that I needed to make space for something. I needed to make space for this birth. The thing birthed itself, but my practice continued. And then I realized that um, with the community growing and like the energetic demands on, on me in that space have allowed me to open greater, bigger portals for more ascension, for more consciousness to come in. Because now I'm seeing... Um, because I feel like we do this, this is the way consciousness works. I, I feel like we use each other at, as mirrors for what it is that is collectively being worked out because no one individual's suffering is separate from the whole. Everybody is collectively going through the same human experience. And so when I, you know, having a community of you know, we have events Monday through Friday, and on any given week, there could be 30 or 40 people coming in our doors and doing this. You guys are holding space for a lot of people mm-hmm. to really connect. Mm-hmm. It is the the most beautiful example of yoga mm-hmm. in its purest form that I have experienced. And I'm just going to give that reflection to you. Thank you. <sighs> Yeah, it's been, it's been <laughs> that, what you just mentioned has been a lot, right? It's been, because I'm like, shit, I have to really step up. And what does stepping up look like? And, you know, so I've been questioning my role as a space holder and um, as a leader, like what it, what does leadership look like and how can I, now that I'm in the role of, you know, a yoga school founder, a teacher, all of these things, these roles that come with it. I'm like, what's the best thing to to um, leverage what life has given me in service to life? Mm. And how can I actually truly serve this reality that that's my creation? I think that's the way to ask that question. Mm. Yeah, what you know, what does life want from me? And it's been a lot of growing up, honestly, Stephen. It's been a lot of like maturation um, of things that I didn't even realize that I needed to mature in, but like I'm seeing in a big way. Yeah, I really have to own this, and I have to, you know, accept this about myself before I can go any further. And so it's been a lot of. Um, coming to terms with truths that I didn't realize I was avoiding in myself. Um, Moving into fear, moving into really uncomfortable places in myself. Uh, And in terms of... Because the way I see it, dude, is like when you do a yoga practice, you're asking to confront whatever demon or demons are in your mind-body system 
you're asking for that because that those things are running the show whether you know it or not your subconscious mind is preventing your conscious mind from maintaining its concentration on the thing that you want the most that's what's causing that's it the thing. that's the thing and so when you step on the mat and you do your practice or you sit on the meditation cushion you're you're inviting what is blocking me from as- ascending towards the highest truth that I'm capable mm-hmm. of in this life And so inviting, opening that portal is like, it's deep work, brother. It's a ceremony. And we, and if we don't really accept the ceremonial aspect of each moment that we do that, then we're, it's not that we're disrespecting the practice, but we're, we're disregarding just out of our own ignorance because we just don't know. We don't know what we don't know. You're playing on the surface. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, well, I'm just here to feel better. It's like, yeah, but in order to feel better, there's some things that are stopping you from feeling better long term. Right? We're not after a high. We're not after just getting into bliss and then forgetting everything. We're after a long term sustained awakening that can take us through life with greater degree of peace and harmony with all things forever. Right? We're not, it's not an up and a down. No, it doesn't stop as long as we're in this body. Right, right. And so opening that container for other people to go and dive into their own ceremony, I'm like, holy shit, I'm, because I'm starting to take the practice even more seriously for myself. And, and, and as a result, I'm, I'm thinking of how can I convey the significance of this work without scaring people off or without... Um, you know, I don't, I don't want people to feel like I'm placing demands or expectations on them. Like, I really don't want that, especially if I'm s- taking the role as a teacher. However, I'm always stressing the significance of what it is people are actually doing. Like, hey, you're showing up to do your work. Nobody in your life is going to do that for you. So first of all, commend yourself for just being here. Like come from a space of absolute reverence and and love and respect for what this even means to be in this space right now. And I think that energetically people are getting that just by walking in the door because that's the space where I've done the most work in my life is in my home, in that studio space, you know, and others also. So it's already a portal. It is a portal. Right. Just walking in there is like, whoa. Right. And so being you know, clear about my objectives and, and my mission and my vision for people. And, and, um, well, you're, you're, you're opening up this portal for people to do deep work, mm-hmm. not surface level yoga studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's deep, it's deep work. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot. Mm-hmm. You've been the captain of the ship. Mm. I, I mean, I have such great help too. Right? You do. My, yeah. Well, it takes a team for sure. Yeah. Yeah. My my both my roommates are just endlessly supportive and loving, and like mm. I view them as such. They're also they're like co-captains with they me. They are. Yeah. Know? And 
and so that's the perfect segue into like what's next right because my, yeah. my yoga practice has, has evolved and in, in, in the future of, of bridge the gap is is changing and and um, I'm realizing that you know part of I've, I've been a little bit um, I've been so wrapped up in what's happening in that space and so identified with the comings and goings and the inner operations because it's in my home and I'm like living and breathing this thing that the next thing to come has been obscured by that and so I'm you know I'm just sitting and detaching is really what was happening for like two weeks I was just sitting and detaching and letting go of all of my roles all of my responsibilities because that's what I try to do in meditation is let go of anything that is anchoring me to this plane right anything that I think about is anchoring me to this plane because I'm trying to return to the source I'm trying to re-identify with the birthplace of all of this so that something new can come through and as I'm re-identifying with that and letting go and detaching completely it's like I'm like leaving my baby on the on the hill to you know <laughs> and well at some point you have to let it let it learn to walk you mm-hmm. know you have to let go of the control mm-hmm. and see if it can stand on its own two feet yeah and that's what's happening i think i'm i'm realizing that very soon i'll be stepping away from that creation and allowing my two roommates and the rest of the community to to just step into whatever it is that that bridge the gap can be and i know that spirit and the the inner workings of the supreme intelligence that is life are going to morph and change it um without my presence there because my presence in that space is um in, in some ways, it's it's creating a distortion because I'm still identified with it. I'm not totally, I'm not in it and letting go completely. If I was in it and letting go completely, I might be able to navigate seamlessly through it and let it flow and evolve. But um, I'm finding that I'm I'm still sticky in places, and mm. and that's what creates trouble in my leadership styles and my communication styles is, is I'm still wrapped up in these things and, and I have my own stuff to work through in my system. And, and yeah, so that this download, this huge vision kind of came through and it was just about me being, me retreating. And I knew that I knew this months ago that I would be doing some sort of vision quest or some sort of retreat for my 30th birthday. And my 30th birthday is February 21st, so coming up in a couple months. And right after my birthday, we'll be going to Costa Rica. We'll be teaching at a yoga festival, and, and then we have an immersion, a yoga immersion with a group of 10 people in, um, in Costa Rica after that. So I'll, I'll turn 30, and then I have like some final work to do, and, and then I'm just going to take some time off and be alone, be with myself, and focus mm-hmm. on my practice like I did in 2016 when the first vision for Bridge the Gap really yeah. came through. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm going to step away and just let it breathe on its own and, and see what, 
you know how it how it morphs how it changes without me there and and trust it completely you know I trust that what I created or helped create or or how I allowed spirit to guide me in the formation of this thing has created enough of a stamp on a thing you know bridge the gap yoga has has been stamped um into place and at least in in my eyes like the vortex has been formed the portal has been opened and now i think me being away from it for some time is gonna allow it's gonna allow it to grow it's gonna allow it to grow and that's a beautiful thing to be able to step back and and honor your truth Mm. and and let go and, and let it breathe on its own because a lot of the times we rob things of their growth by continuing to fix it or you know put our our pre- our worldly pressures on it or mm-hmm. but what a beautiful awareness to see that you know, it's time to step back go back into the cave mm-hmm. to let whatever what whatever next to come through yeah yeah for sure and i think we all go through that in life like we all have how many of us honor that though to take that space to go Mm. back inward i think it's happening on a micro level in many many cases where we are holding on to an idea that we have and then we just let that idea go for enough time to see what what else can come well you're being called to expand to a new level mm. and for that expansion to happen a, a form of contraction needs to take place you can't just keep continuing to expand mm. it'll start to it'll start to take from you mm. and so as the ebb and flow of life ebb and flow <laughs> it requires that ebb again for Mm. you to like you created this living breathing thing in connection with spirit Mm. helping people connect to that and do the work on a deep level Mm. and now it's like okay it's time to scale up it's time Mm. to level up right a lot of that leveling up takes an integration period a, a a period of what, what were all the things that you learned from this experience because this is a long thing that took a time that took time for you to birth mm-hmm. and took a lot of blood sweat and mm-hmm. tears you know energy all of these things so it's like you you go back in and you integrate all the lessons learned and connect that back to source and how can I continue to let spirit move through me in the next creation? If that's what it is, you know, mm-hmm. if that's, if, if, if you want to create more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think to circle it all back around with your question about what yoga is, my practice is helping me go through in life is it's helping me process that level of, um, like that the degree at which spirit's asking me to move because spirit asks us to move in so many ways and many times we heed 
or many times we hear the call, but we fail to heed it in, in small ways. And sometimes we hear the call and we do heed the call. And it takes us to an incredible, immeasurable reward, truly, when we, when we trust and listen to that inner wisdom guiding us and we follow it we end up feeling expansive, joyous to a whole new degree. And in this particular instance, this experience that I'm having has been like a two-week death process. It feels like a lot of myself is dying because so much of my identity and so much of who I am has been associated with and related to energetically my home in Chandler, the yoga school, the people who come there, the community, my roommates, what I do, right? This is this is my professional life. This is what I do for a living. I've been teaching yoga for years. And I'm being asked to let go of all of that and mm. to just be alone. And it's like it's, it's like scary. I'm giving my baby up for adoption, you know? And I'm like, you guys can take care of it. I don't know when I'll be back. You're letting it stand on its own two feet mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and giving it out into the world. And the world's a scary place. Yeah. And so my practice has been helping me to to trust. Honestly, it's mm-hmm. been helping me to trust because you know there's no wrong choices. There's only feedback, and there's only um, information to help us with our life. And that goes against conditioning, you know? It's like part of me thinks that I'm actually a failure. Like part of me thinks that I'm actually doing the wrong thing. And I, you know, I, I share that and I don't really need anybody to like tell me that that's not true. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just like sharing the, the literal feeling in my body and in my mind is... is it's coming up. It's coming up and it's saying like what are you doing why would you do this you know this is beautiful you have you have everything you created this is the dream life you're you get to sing and chant and pray and practice all day every day and you get people to come do it with you in your home and you don't have to go anywhere and and people love you and and you're loved and and you love them and you have great friends and like all all of these things and it's like pratyahara the withdrawal of the senses inward and then the concentration on spirit is so big and strong and that pull is so 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 powerful right now that i have no choice but to like listen and like be pulled away and it's so you know it's such a confusing thing because it i don't think those feelings ever go away you know i think it's actually part of the process like i felt like i was grieving i still feel like i'm grieving in many ways you know i've been crying a lot recently and it feels literally like a, like I'm grieving, like legitimate grief. And I now understand what grief is, right? It's like helping you yeah. let go. It's helping you honor the passing. Because if I didn't grieve and I just could walk away and didn't feel anything about it, then it'd be, that'd be weird. That would be weird. I would be a little, I would question if it was actually true, right? Yeah. And, and so I'm honoring that those feelings that are coming up and as much as you know me is like knows that i have to honor my heart's desire and my heart's call and and the soul's path like of course i have to honor that but 
there's a psyche, you know, and that psyche can become destabilized by these huge um, requests from spirit, you know, and if it's like spirit's asking you to move in a big way and you're like, ah. It's asking you to let go of everything that you are. Basically, yeah. Yeah. And then you don't realize it, but it's asking you to let go of everything that you are so that you can do it all again <laughs> on, the, on the next so level it's, it's the, hero. the next level it's right? the it's the hero's journey you know we go through these you just went through a very large hero's journey mm. and it's like it doesn't stop we do this hero's journey and then once we finish it we bring you know we 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 bring the treasure back and share it with our community mm-hmm and it's like, oh, we get the call again. Spirit comes knocking at our door. We get activated and we're like, fuck. Mm. <laughs> like, I just want to hang out with my community. I just want to like, can we just like share the shit, you know, share the goods? Just like hang. I just want to hang out for a little while. Right. But then it's like this path is you're being called to. And you could you can you can negate the call a certain extent but Mm -hmm. someone who's so connected Mm. and listening every day with Mm. that practice it's like you just know Mm -hmm. it's just like when it's time it's time Mm -hmm. yeah when it's time it's time (laughs) (laughs) you know and part of me is so excited i'm like there is a new it's the unknown it's the unknown the unknown is is scary it's exciting it's i can relate (laughs) and yeah maybe you could share your your point of view and your how you're because i know you also have a practice yeah how that has helped you with what's what you're moving through because i i I have a strong sense that I'm not the only one who's going through an intense metamorphosis. And I know from our conversations that you are too, but also other listeners and people who are facing similar challenges in their life and being asked to step up into a new calling. Like this message is for everybody. Yeah. That mess, that feeling in your heart that's asking you to move is not going to go away. And that's not going to spirits just going to keep knocking on your it's door until you get the universal <laughs> sledgehammer. You know? so it'll, the, it'll just, you know, it'll have conversations with you. It'll have conversations with you. You know, every morning I have conversations with spirit, with mm-hmm. myself, with the planet. And it's like, you know, and, and we can, we can, you know, say I'm not having those conversations and it'll give slight nudges or knocks and say, Hey, you need to move in this direction. Like this is what this is the truth. Mm-hmm. This is what truth is, mm-hmm. and and uh, it's almost like it becomes a place that's forced on you. You know, you're forced into a new direction, and and the and the more you deny the change, you know, change is the only thing that's certain. Mm-hmm. It is the ebb and flow of life. The you know the the cyclical nature through the seasons. Mm. And we have to go through that death phase, mm-hmm. you know, that winter for us to be reborn and to, mm-hmm. and to have a spring again, you know, but things have to die. So it nourishes the soil for the new things to grow. 
mm-hmm. and have the nutrients for it to expand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that the more you deny the truth, the more you're going to suffer, mm-hmm. the more you try to negate the change or to deny that you need to change the more you're attaching to whatever it is that you've currently created Mm -hmm. that spirit is asking you to step away from the more suffering will take place and the easier that you can let go and move through it and and put yourself in the you know the asana Mm-hmm. and observe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of you know put i at this point it's like i'm just gonna put myself in that in that like choose the struggle to watch myself grow and expand and and then Mm. You know, listen to the truth mm. and, and move to it before you start developing a disease from it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's it's like we experience symptoms of things mm-hmm. and symptoms are our best friend mm-hmm. because it's it's a knock. It's a call. It's saying, hey, this is, you know, this is what the truth is. These are things we're experiencing and, and, and this might not be the best thing for you at this point. Mm-hmm. But we tend to mask those symptoms and be like, no, 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 no. I know what's right. Like I, I know that this is certain this this is what's right, you know? Mm-hmm. But but symptoms are life's intelligence way of saying, Hey, no, you need to move in this direction. And you continue to mask those symptoms, it'll just create a bigger issue mm-hmm. later on down the line. Mm. so you know forcing myself to just step into the hard thing for growth for expansion in service to the whole Mm. so i can bring back the treasure and share it with my community right and i think in some ways you know you've birthed this thing that can stand up on its own two feet and now it's time to tune in and you know maybe contract a little bit to go and face this deeper thing that's with inside of you mm. and that way you can bring back the treasure to bridge the gap mm-hmm. <laughs> right exactly and share the next level of expansion with them mm-hmm. yeah <sighs> <laughs> Thank you for going there with me, brother. Mm-hmm. It was deep. Mm-hmm. I, it is an honor, and uh, I feel so privileged to watch mm-hmm. and just be in the experience of your your expansion, your evolution, and to stand beside you in this mystery, this mm-hmm. great mystery of life. Yeah, brother. It's, I'm grateful to share it. You know, I... I haven't told many people about this and I intend to, but I'm not gonna make a splash and be like, guys, I'm leaving, let's have a going away party. Like it's not, no, it's not like no, that. No. But uh but I'm just listening to the call and, and trusting that I'm being guided and you know, I hope others hear that and can internalize that and um 
apply that for themselves. You know, that's what I feel like this is all about, and just sharing our experience and, and the hopes that it resonates. You know, it's like looking at a piece of art. You know, you look at a piece of art, and it some way inspires you, and you're just inspired by that person's journey and how they express their journey in that fragment of art or music or whatever it is. And that's sort of what a conversation is. A conversation is a work of art. And, you know, hopefully we can, we can paint our story because we can reach inside of ourselves and connect to our truth and express it and, and allow it to, to create resonance in the field and, and uh, the consciousness of others so that they can, oh shit, I'm not, I'm not listening. I've been, this message has been coming through for me many times and now I'm hearing it on this podcast and time to step up, right? It's time to bridge the gap. That's the point, right? That's the point. Make yourself the bridge between heaven and earth. You know, bring forth that incredible thing that you're inspired by and are dreaming about. Call that forth, call that in. And whatever your fear is, whatever you're afraid of that's preventing you from doing that, just know that that's not real. It's not real. It's just an attempt by the ego to maintain Mm. the status quo because that's what the ego wants. The ego fights for permanence because it knows that it's impermanent. And so it will build as many structures as it can to make you believe that it's that there's a permanent reality. There's not a permanent reality. <laughs> the reality is a moment-to-moment thing. Truth is always happening now. 